Business is a competition. There are winners and losers. There's always someone trying to take your business away. And in business, just like sports, there are players, there are coaches, and there is a scoreboard. Welcome to the Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Whether you're a manager, executive, business owner, salesperson, or entrepreneur, the Business Locker Room is a show that will create content and conversations that will help you improve your business. Now, let's join your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome into the Business Locker Room. Great to have you on board. Fantastic show lined up for you today. Going to tell you a little bit about it, but first... Let me tell you a little bit about us, tell you about the show. It's a show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business today. Whether you're a sales rep, a manager, a business owner, an executive, an entrepreneur, or if you just have an interest in marketing and social media, sales, business strategy, those kinds of things, the Business Locker Room is definitely the place for you. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Kelly Riggs. You can find me online on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs, and of course, you can send me an email Kelly at bizlockerroom.com. I want to encourage you to jump online, bizlockerroom.com. Check out the show, past episodes, what is coming up. We have got fantastic guests lined up for many, many weeks to come. And uh, some of the shows that we've had have just been epic. A super show last week. We'll talk more about it as we go. But you can learn more about me, about the show and check out everything that's going on in the business locker room there on the website. Today's show is going to be fantastic. We'll be joined uh, in the, right after the first break. We'll be joined by Anthony Inarino. And if you're in sales, you probably know something about Anthony. He's, he's got a tremendous following online. And if you don't, he's a guy that uh, absolutely is going to make your must-read list in terms of his blog and the things that he's doing. He's got a tremendous following. and Just an enormous amount of experience in the sales world. He is uh, actually uh, a managing partner of B2B sales coaching and consultancy. But on top of that, he's president and chief sales officer at Solution Staffing. So we've got a lot of things lined up to talk to Anthony about. It's going to be sales related today. And uh, as a matter of fact, following right along in that vein, Miles Austin will join us in the X's and O's segment brought to you by 40 Sales. And we'll talk about a tool called Quote Roller. And if in your line of business, you need to publish quotes to your potential clients or customers or prospects, Quote Roller is a tool that you definitely want to know about. So we're, we're going to have an all-sales show today. It's going to be great stuff. And when I say all-sales, it's not just about salespeople. Certainly, business is about selling. And there are, there are room for these tools for any small business entrepreneur, uh, executive sales manager, VP of sales, individual salespeople, any kind of company where you're doing business-to-business work, even business-to-consumer work. We'll have a lot of things to talk about as well. So stick around for the balance of the show, and uh, we, we'll have a lot of things that we'll be talking about. I was online today, or actually over the weekend, came across an excellent article that I want to share with you. And, of course, it, sticking right into the, uh, into the mode of selling, it, it comes to us from the good folks at Sales Benchmark Index, and you can find them at salesbenchmarkindex.com. Blog post from the 14th, which would have been Saturday, I believe, how to spot your next great sales manager. And it's interesting, it coincides with a phone call that I got earlier today, someone who is looking for their next sales manager and 
actually inquiring about the opportunity to help them with that process and to fill in to that spot just a little bit as they make that transition, something we do here at uh, the Business Locker Room. But uh, here's how the blog post begins. It's Tuesday. You're sitting in your office. Typical start to the morning, and then you get, quote, the call. Your West Coast sales manager just resigned. He tells you he appreciates all you've done. He's found another opportunity. And, of course, like we all do, our first reaction is, what do I need to do to save the guy or save the individual, uh, he or she? You chat about why he or she should stay rather than leave. Nothing changes. Now you now you start to panic uh, because, unfortunately, you didn't see this coming. Uh, you work out of the main office in New York. That individual's in the L.A. office, and you don't have anyone ready to step in. If you've been in business very long or if you've been in sales management very long, this is uh, something that sounds pretty familiar. And and the point that they're making is, uh, as um, the author says, and by the way, let me share his name with you. Uh, i got to get down to the bottom of it. I, I thought I had written it down, but let me take it. Josh Horstman uh, at Sales Benchmark Index. The, 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 the point is, is, you know, we, we don't have a plan in place for these kinds of things. Typically, we spend time on recruitment, but not a lot on succession planning, the differential being, or the differentiation rather, being uh, when we're recruiting, we're recruiting new salespeople, but are we recruiting or talking about or planning for the next sales manager? And then we get that call and we're losing a very talented person to go on to uh, the next level or to another opportunity, as the case may be. And, and this really struck me for a lot of reasons. The idea behind Josh's uh, blog post, is, uh, as I read it, is is talking about the preparation and looking for your next sales manager. Uh, and, and it really goes to something to me that's much deeper than that, and that is the fact that most sales managers are focused on day-to-day performance. They're focused on the right now. And they're not really thinking like managers. And, and that, that uh, brings to me one of the real serious challenges that exist in the world of management, in the world of business. And that is we tend to take our best people, our best salespeople, promote them into management. And the challenge there is stupendous. Most HR people and most people who have been around the block a time or two will tell you that when you take your very best salesperson, and promote them to sales manager, you get two problems. You lose a great salesperson, and typically you get an ineffective sales manager, unless you happen to know what's going on. You happen to have something on the ball. And frankly, it's it's much more common to just say, oh, they're my best salesperson. Certainly, they'll make a great sales manager. And frankly, nothing could be further from the truth. Selling and managing are completely different skill sets. And you find great salespeople who, whose orientation is around getting deals, uh, taking control of sales calls, making things happen. They're driven, they're motivated, and it's about their performance and what they are doing. And we take that individual and we say, you have done such a fantastic job you that we want to promote you to sales manager. Now, clearly, the unspoken message there is if I've been great at selling and you're promoting me, then you must be promoting me because I'm great at selling. I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? So what does the uh, uninitiated, untrained salesperson do who becomes a manager? Well, they, they tend to act exactly the way they did as a salesperson. 
they tend to take over calls. They, they tend not to be that good in terms of training. They think everyone should get it like they do. And if you're listening to this and you've been down this road, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It can become very, very frustrating. And if you can imagine that losing a sales manager means you're just one level up higher in the organization. You've got an organization that is big enough to need management. And suddenly you're losing your manager. That's just, that's the same problem at a higher level. And if you don't have anyone prepared or trained or ready, do you have someone on your team that could be promoted? Why do you think they're the right person? And I can assure you that the vast majority of time is the answer to those two questions are, well, I, I would probably take my best sales representative, and that's why I think they should get promoted. And that is a disaster. It's, it's, it's just a train wreck waiting to happen. We don't take salespeople, and we don't adequately train them to become sales managers. And since those are completely different skill sets, and here's a great example, by the way. Uh, put yourself in the sales manager's shoes who loses a great salesperson. Same call, only it's a salesperson talking to a sales manager. You get that call on uh, the morning. I've just decided to take another opportunity. Perhaps they've taken a sales management position somewhere else or they've got a better offer, a bigger number, you know, a better set of you know, circumstances, and they decide to take off and have no sense that is coming is an indicator that you're not thinking like a manager because managers think that way. Managers are training and developing their people. Their focus is on their people. It's a, it's, that focus is on having a plan for the individual salesperson or manager and what their next steps are, where, where they're going next in, in their progression, in their career. But you have some cognizance of what's going on in their career. To get completely caught flat-footed for an experienced and trained and, and very effective leader slash manager is something that rarely happens because they, they, are, they are so dialed into their people. One of the problems that I have with the scenario, uh, not with Josh's presenting it, but, but the scenario itself is uh, the VP of sales, the West Coast uh, sales manager calls and resigns and it catches you by surprise. Uh, that shouldn't happen, I wouldn't think. Of course, I mean, you could, you know, there is always an exception. It's never a hard and fast rule, but the vast majority of time you would feel that one coming because you would have had this conversation on a, on a regular basis. And sadly, th- this problem just gets worse as you move up into the organization. You take a great salesperson, make them a manager, and they don't have the skills, nor are, do they have the orientation of being focused on their salespeople and their development and the training that goes with that. Uh, there's just a lot of issues uh, that, that need to be brought to, to focus for the sales manager that was never on their radar for a salesperson. Something that uh, I'm going to talk to Anthony about today, by the way, because he's been a salesperson, he's been a sales manager, he runs a business. And we're going to talk about what you do in these particular instances and how you deal with this because organizationally, this becomes an extreme weak link, a real challenge in terms of the organization. If you have great salespeople trying to be managers, that's an entirely different scenario. So we'll, we'll, we'll delve into that as we go into the show with Anthony. Hey, great to have you guys on board. Again, want to have you check out that particular blog post, how to spot your next great sales manager at salesbenchmarkindex.com. We're going to take a short time out. We come back on the other side. We'll be joined by Anthony and Areno. We'll talk sales. We'll talk sales management. In fact, we'll outline this problem, see if we can find a solution that makes some sense. 
Great to have you on board. We'll come right back after the break. You're listening to the Business Locker Room on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Business Locker Room. Great to have you on board. So Such fantastic shows that we've had the past couple of weeks. Last week, Kevin Dom was here, and uh, what a great conversation. I definitely will have him back on the show as we talked about getting heard in the jungle. We're joined by Anthony Inarino, currently President and Chief Sales Officer, Solutions Staffing, also the Managing Director of B2B Sales Coach and Consulting. This is a guy with a fantastic background, very interesting. I want to ask him a little bit about it. Uh, because uh, he, he combines the, the the worst of both worlds. He's not only a salesman; he's an attorney. And in the ranking of you know career paths by most people, that may be the two at the very bottom. Hey, Anthony, great to have you in the show. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Kelly, thanks for having me. So, uh, tell me about this attorney thing. Hey, I'm reading your background, and and you've got a fantastic. Pedigree, obviously, you've been to Harvard Business School, uh, but uh, you, you don't talk to a lot of people who have been an attorney and decide to get into the world of sales. So, give us a sense of where you're coming from. Well, I'm not an attorney, but I did go to law school. What What happened was uh, I didn't start college until I was 26. After I had a brain surgery, I decided what what brain I had left I should use and put to work. So I went to college after fronting a rock band for 10 years. And, <laughs> it just and, gets and, better and better. <laughs> oh, but it turns out when you're sober and you go to college, college <laughs> is really easy. You know, my, my friends that went spent the first, you know, the first year or two years with a 0.8 grade point average because it was really they were majoring in alcohol and party. Sure. And I was 26, I'd settled down, I'd had this brain surgery, and I went to school and I graduated with a 3.93 grade point average. I got one B in college while I was working 50 hours a week. And I had a, a counselor there who was my advisor in the political science department because I majored in 
political science and English literature. And he said, you know, as much as you like this stuff and what you're doing, you should take the LSAT. And I said, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I'll do that. What exactly is the LSAT? <laughs> and he said, it's a law school entrance exam. Well, I took the test after staying up until 2 o'clock in the morning watching boxing. And I'm a good test taker. I've always been a good test taker. Even if I don't know the subject, I'm a good test taker. And I did really, really well on the LSAT. So I had a note come to my home, and it said, you've been given the Dean's Academic Scholarship for law school. And I thought, you know, if somebody's going to give you a scholarship for law school and they're going to pay for it, you might as well go. And I went and I learned two things that were very important uh, in my life. One, I had absolutely no interest in being a lawyer. And two, <laughs> every lawyer I met hated their job. They were completely unhappy with with what they were doing, and I, I decided to stay in the world that I knew, which is business and sales, and I never regret that decision. You know, what, what a great background. Uh, I'm very much like you in that regard. I did not finish up a college degree until uh, much later in life. I uh, decided to get out and get into sales. I can only imagine what it's like for parents when you know, I had a I had a full scholarship as well in engineering, and I did not like it, and so I dropped out, got married, and got a sales job. I can only imagine what my parents were thinking at that particular point in time. But you 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 did even worse. You were you fronted a rock band and were brain dead for a while, and then then decided not only to go to college, which you did well, but then you decided to become an attorney, and they probably thought you'd had a relapse. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you've you've had phenomenal success, Anthony. I was sharing a little bit in the opening. I mean, you've got a tremendous following online. People in the sales world, uh, typically, if if they've been around a little while, especially online, they know you. Your, your blog, the sales blog, is has been around quite some time, and you have a vast following of people. How did you get started online, and what does that journey look like? In uh, two thousand seven, I bought thesalesblog.com, and I didn't know at the time. Somebody already had sales blog. I was trying to buy sales blog, but it was registered to somebody who lived in North Carolina. They were parking on it. I couldn't figure out who had it. GoDaddy recommended I buy the sales blog, so that's what I bought. Later on, I found out it was Gittimer who owned sales blog. He just didn't use it until late 2010. But in 2007, I bought it, and I thought, I should do a blog. And uh, I dabbled, and I posted occasionally. And I really wasn't sure what it was supposed to look like or what you were supposed to do. But over the course of the next, I don't know, 12, 18 months, I started following Seth Godin very carefully and looking at what he did and sharing his ideas with a community that cared about him. And I started reading Chris Brogan, who's now a dear friend of mine. And I read Chris's first book, Trust Agents. And the first time I read the book, I thought, I don't have any idea what this guy's talking about. And... The second time I read it, though, I thought, I'll read it again and see, was it just me? Because what he's doing is working for him. It's working for Seth Godin. And I just started following the recipe, which was go out into the world and share your best ideas. Don't hold anything back. Just go ahead and share the whole idea with people who can use it. And then build a community of people who you can share their content and uh, a group of fellow travelers, people that are doing the same thing. And, and help each other. And I basically have been following that recipe since December 28th, 2009. I sat my wife down and said, I'm going to make a, a rather dramatic shift in my life. I'm going to start writing and posting every day. I'm going to start keynote speaking. And uh, I plan on speaking, you know, all over the world to sales organizations that want somebody to speak. And I told her this big plan. And she said, I really don't understand anything that you just said, but 
of course I support you. And, <laughs> you know, and 10 months later, I started speaking professionally. Um, that was in 2010, and I, I've been hustling ever since. But it was really about getting the vision about what do you do out here on the online world. You give your best ideas away, and you share with people that can benefit from what you do. And it's really counterintuitive to a lot of people, especially older people who look at it and say, you're not supposed to give your ideas away. You're supposed to save them and make people pay. I had one consultant who called and yelled at me for giving away all my ideas, and he said, you've got that stupid archive link at the top where anybody can go back and find any idea that you ever wrote. And by the way, how are you getting all this business? And <laughs> I said, ask and answer, right? Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm sharing so people know how I create value. And for the people listening to this, the tool that is the, the social web is so people can get the experience of what it's like to work with you. What do you think? How do you feel? What do you know? How do you create value? And when you start sharing it, it turns out that people figure out uh, who you are and the right customers find you. Yes, no question about it. We're joined by Anthony Inarino. He is the author of thesalesblog.com. Clearly, it's a guy that you need to be following. You can find him on Twitter as well, at Inarino. Let me spell it for you, I A. N-N-A-R-I-N-O. You know, I've, I've been in that camp for a very, very long time, and I'm probably one of those older guys that you're talking about, uh, with the big exception that I, I'm very much in your camp. Clearly, to me, there's a huge difference, Anthony, in, in the ideas that are uh, given out and the way they're executed and the way they're customized. And, you know, a lot of people can't, or they just don't have the capability to take an idea and then naturally run with it and execute it in their own business. But knowing that you have those ideas and you're the kind of person that thinks that way, to me, the allure is now here, I've identified a guy I know that can come into my business and can actually help me with the problems that I have. He's already proven that, and I need help with the execution. Is that a pretty fair description? That's, it's spot on. I mean, that's how it works. When they know how you create value and they know the idea resonates and that you're the right fit, they're looking for you to come in and share the execution around that idea and, and help carry that uh, across the line for them. And that's really how people know what you do is by what you write and and what you say is important and how you approach a problem. You know, on your website, uh, you have an introductory video there. Of course, I've seen it several times. But in the video, you say, I I not only sell every day, but I I manage a sales force every day. So you're actually living in this world. You're not talking theory and uh, giving us uh, just some ideas about what it might be like. You're actually out there doing it. You currently serve as chief sales officer for a staffing company. What, what, what is the difference? You know, frequently people will ask, what is the difference between selling a service and selling a product? You know, you've tangible, intangible, that kind of thing. And when you're selling staffing, clearly it's a little bit of both. I mean, there's a tangible product and it's a person, but you're also selling an idea of allowing someone else to, to place someone for you. What is that like? You know, it, for me, I think if you think about Selling the intangible means making the intangible tangible. You have to say, here's what we believe, here's why we make the decisions that we make, and here's ultimately how it produces a better result, and here's some, uh, some proof that it does produce a better result. And mostly it's the same thing. The ideas, the way that you approach your business resonates with the people that that serves. You know, that staffing company is a family business. My mom and her partner started it when I was 13, and then I've grown it you know, to where it is now, and you know, we do things different, and we can tell you exactly what we do different. We can tell you why we're different, and the reason that you see me talk about 
the fact that I still sell and that I still own sales organizations is because I think it does differentiate me in this market. It, it makes an intangible tangible. The fact that I still have to go out and win big deals and I still have to lead a sales force that wins key accounts, um, I'm not talking about theory. I'm talking about what it really takes to make this stuff happen on the blog every day. But I think the trick is to how do you take the intangible and say this is our belief and this is our methodology and this is what we do and why we do it. How does that translate to better results? And I think that's how you can quickly cover the gap from the difference between selling uh, a product and selling a service. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you mentioned it a couple of different times from my experience in working with salespeople as well. Is the, the biggest challenge that the average salesperson has is they really have no idea how to truly differentiate themselves. One of the key questions I ask in training is, why should I buy from you? And it, it is amazing how bland the answers typically are. We have great quality. We, you know, we have great service. We've been around a long time. We're the best in the industry. And I tell them, you know, independent of those answers, which may or may not be true, the reality is that's what everyone says. So explain to me how you've just differentiated yourself in the mind of, of the prospect. What you're saying is very clearly I get out into my credibility picture very quickly. I'm different. I'm different because I do what you do every day. And, and that means I understand your problems a little differently. That's, that's right. I mean, we can talk about the staffing business uh, for a minute. I mean, that, that's, if you say, you know, we have the best people, well, you don't have the best people. There are a lot right. of people in staffing, and a lot of them are good people, and they care deeply, and they work really hard. And then you can say, well, it's our screening process. Well, everybody's got a good screening process. I mean, that's, uh, that's not going to be enough of a differentiator. And I'm, I'm finding more and more that if you can get to the core of why your business exists and what it means then that's a, a true differentiator. Why are you? Why do you do what you do? Why do you make the choices that you make? How does that benefit your customers? I mean, I'll give you just one example about the staffing firm since you, you brought it up. That, that firm still does a one-on-one face-to-face interview with every candidate. We still make every candidate come in to be prepped individually for a job. They get a one-on-one onboarding. They get a one-on-one orientation. They get a chance to go through a process that, in, in our mind, our, our goal is not to give them the information. Our job is to prepare them to succeed when they get to that assignment. And it's a totally different view. How do you prepare somebody to succeed in a job? Now, you're going to do different things if you think it's your job to get them there or if you think it's your job to make sure they succeed when they get there. That's differentiators. And we've built processes. And if you were to ask anybody, and I've got a bunch of RVPs that do the heavy lifting there um, at the staffing company for me, but if you were to ask any of them to differentiate us, they can all very quickly rattle off six things that totally define and differentiate us in a crowded market. Yeah, that's that's really crucial. Having spoken at Association of Personnel Consultants on several occasions, you recognize exactly what you've just said. Everybody has a process and everybody has an interviewing thing, but nobody really knows how to convey that in a way that's unique. I can only imagine it places you above the fray fairly quickly. We're joined by Anthony Inarino. He is uh, online at thesalesblog.com. We're going to come back after a quick timeout. We're going to talk to Anthony about that particular blog post that I was looking at earlier and commenting on how to spot your next great sales manager And I think Anthony is going to have some interesting and unique perspectives in this regard. So we'll pick up where we leave off. We'll come back on the other side and we'll uh, continue our conversation with Anthony Inarino. You're listening to the Business Locker Room. We'll be right back. 
the business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. will jump in with us. We'll do the X's and O's segment brought to you by 4D Sales. And we're going to talk about a fantastic tool that every sales organization needs to have at their disposal. It's called Quote Roller. And Miles will fill us in. Uh, we're still continuing our conversation with Anthony Inarino. You can find him at thesalesblog.com. And Anthony, I want to talk about uh, this, this blog post that I read today from salesbenchmarkindex.com. How to spot your next great sales manager. It talks about a scenario where you get a call out of the blue one morning and you've lost your West Coast sales manager. To me, there seems to be a little bit of disconnect. I would like to think that I would never get caught. I mean, certainly it could happen, but I would like to think nine out of 10 times if I was going to lose someone that high up in the organization, I would see that coming. What, what's your take on that? I think that the challenge that you have in a situation like this is if you're not already prepared and if you haven't built a bench, then you're hiring by desperation. And hiring by desperation is one of the fastest ways to destroy your business. And you're going to continue to put people into a role that they're not right for, that they're not equipped for, that they haven't been developed into because you need somebody in the box. And it doesn't make sense to do that. So I would tell you, you know, all... all, over time, you're going to lose all the people that work for you. I mean, it won't be today, it won't be tomorrow, but you need to be close enough to those people that you know that the relationship's not working and they know when the relationship's not working. And you need to be able to have an honest dialogue about that before you're ever surprised that something happens. I, I'll, I'll keep riffing on this for just a second, but, you know, when it, it, just the title of the blog post, and I love those guys at Sales Benchmark Index, they're great guys but I don't really want a manager. And when, when I look at things like this that talk about what a manager does, sales management isn't a management job. It's a leadership job. And if you want to put somebody in a role that's going to succeed, you need a leader. And what we sometimes do is say, we'll take a guy that knows how to make the number and we'll put him in there because he's a good salesperson. Clearly that means he can help other people, but it doesn't mean that because what you really need is a great leader. The sales manager's job is so hard right now because the company wants them to be a manager. They want to forecast 
I know companies where they want to talk about the forecast every single day. They want the manager to, to report up changes to the forecast. That's not, I mean, that's not serving the people. To lead, you've got to go out and help the people. And I'll, I'll just give you one of my, my favorite examples of what a, a, a leader does. Um, Patton, and you see this in the movie, when he's trying to beat Montgomery to Messina in Italy, there's a donkey with a cart, and it's blocking the bridge, and it's preventing his men from getting across and beating Montgomery. And he walks up and he shoots the donkey, and he has his men push the donkey and the cart over the bridge so that they can pass. Now, I'm an animal lover, so I hate that. But the fact of the matter is that's your job as a leader. You find the problem spots, you move the problems, and you help your people succeed. Succeed. It's a leadership role. Yeah, what a great illustration. <laughs> With you, it's, it's unfortunate there's an animal involved there, but it is a great illustration because there is a very clear problem and it needs to be fixed. And if, if leaders don't do that, Anthony, they don't get done. There, there are just certain things that leaders do that they're actually responsible for finding and, and taking care of that, that a salesperson or, or an employee, that's not even on their radar typically. And they're not empowered to make changes anyway. They don't Correct. have the authority to make the decisions that a leader does, which is what the sales manager role is. It's a sales leadership role. And they have to work on two things. They've got to work on finding the problems outside that are preventing their sales force from succeeding and move those obstacles for them, whether it's around negotiating, whether it's dealing with key accounts, whatever it might be. And then they have to work on all the obstacles that we in, in the, the ownership and leadership of the company put in their way all the obstacles that we do that make it difficult for them to make their number. The sales manager has to put that, push back and fight that fight too, which makes it a leadership role. Yeah, and one of my, my big pet peeves, I think it's the single biggest challenge that sales organizations face is they, they are continuously promoting their top salespeople to managers without any consideration of whether or not they are that leader. So from your perspective as a guy who runs an organization and staffs other organizations and teaches sales, how do you solve that problem? What, what's the answer from your, from your perspective? I, I would take the number three salesperson who's a natural leader before I would take the number one salesperson. Um, I, I would take the number four salesperson rather than take the number one salesperson and destroy that person's results if I had somebody who could lead that team. I would want a leader first and foremost. And occasionally you find the top rep also has the natural leadership abilities. Sure. But more often than not, you're looking for somebody who can lead and, and help. And, you know, the one thing about being a great sales leader and a manager is um, it's the same thing if you just – this is called the business locker room, so let's just make sports analogies. The coach standing on the sideline coaching the team was not ever the best player on the team. They were the, never the best player in their position. They were the person that studied the game and could lead and teach other people. And that's what we're looking for here. You're not looking for someone who just because they made their number, you're going to put them in that role. You're looking for that leader coach that can play the game at a different level because they love the game and they study it and it's exciting and they can teach and help others to succeed. Um, that's that's my experience. Yeah, and, and of course, that's the right answer. The problem, Anthony, is that when push comes to shove and we've got to make a decision and we need a sales manager, typically most business owners or executives in the sales organization, you know, they don't want to uh, isolate the top performer. They don't want to create ill feelings. They don't want to act like, hey, you're not capable of being that leader and, you know, and run the risk of, of creating a rift in the organization. So they pull the trigger anyway and they wind up with what's predictable. How 
how do you how do you deal with the top performer if you decide not to make him or her your your sales leader? I mean, the first the first challenge is one that's probably too long for us to cover here. But you need to have a compensation plan that rewards the top producer for being a top producer, without having to force them into a management or, or a leadership role. And a lot of organizations don't get that right. I I just recently had an interaction with one sales organization that uh, decided to cap bonuses for their salespeople with no reason or logic behind it other than the CEO of the company doesn't believe anybody is worth more than X dollars a year. And ultimately, he's getting the result uh, that his incentive program dictates, which is people get to a certain level and then they put the brakes on because there's no reason for me to book this revenue this year. If I can't get paid for it, I'll push it. I'll have that conversation next year. But I think that the compensation structure has to do that. There also has to be a lot of of psychic rewards for that individual, too. There has to be a lot of uh, pats on the back, a lot of recognition, a lot of praise, a lot of awards to, to show them that the organization values them in the role that they're in. And I don't know that a lot of organizations get that right either. Right. I would agree with you. You know, to your point, going into the baseball season this year, Major League Baseball, there have been 680 managers in Major League Baseball and exactly two of those managers were inducted into the Hall of Fame. Only two. And two. Um, uh, Ted Williams, and then this year, our, our most recent is uh, the Philadelphia Phillies manager, uh, former Chicago Cubs, short, Ryan Sandberg. Um, and, and up until last year, when he took over as the interim manager as the Philadelphia Phillies, it had been one. And that one guy was Ted Williams. And he was not. In fact, he quit in disgust. He he couldn't stand to manage the players of the day. He said, you know, they were too selfish and this and that and the other thing. But you know, the same thing holds true. This is the business locker room, and you, I use the sports analogies. Four hundred and forty-nine head coaches in the history of the NFL. Seventeen have been in the Hall of Fame. Only four have had a winning record as a head coach, and only one has won a Super Bowl. That would be Mike Ditka. So your your point is well taken. But it's not a point that we've learned very well in business. We, we tend to always look to the top performer and ask him or her to serve a role as a leader, and they're just completely different skill sets. They are. They're, they're, they're different attributes. You really want a different personality, a different disposition. And personally, you know, for the value for the people listening here, I would say is what you're really looking for is a leader. And if you put a leader in that role and you empower that leader, you're going to do really well when it comes to making your number. And if you decide that it's going to be based on someone's actual sales performance without those leadership attributes. I think it's a mistake, and you're right. We can continue to prove this for uh, for as long as we need to, but there's a better way. It's a little bit tougher, but like all things, it's better to put the work in on the front end and get it right. Anthony, we're out of time, but I tell you, you've opened up a, a great topic for the future and a discussion that we need to have, and that is how do you identify that leader? What are we looking for in terms of a sales leader and the effectiveness they're going to play in that role? Anthony Inarino joining us in the locker room. Been great to have you on board. You can find him online at Inarino, I-A-N-N-A-R-I-N-O, and read his stuff, subscribe to his blog post. I'm telling you folks, it's fantastic, thesalesblog.com. Anthony, thanks for being with us, man. I really appreciate hey, it. Th- thanks for having me, and do not leave because Miles Austin is a rock star. He is a rock star, and he'll be back with us on the other side. we got the X's and O's segment coming. We're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back. You're listening to The Business Locker Room on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Hey, you're listening to the Business Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs. Make sure you check us out online, bizlockerroom.com. You can follow me on Twitter, and I hope you will, at Kelly Riggs. You're listening to a show that is the fusion of the collective wisdom and real-world business experience. And nobody brings it real-world better than Miles Austin. We start our X's and O's segment, which, by the way, is brought to you by 4D Sales. 4D Sales, what a fantastic tool. We talked about it last week. It's a tablet-based sales tool. It is available for iPad and Windows 8 devices. And it is a tool that's going to make every single one of your salespeople better at what they do when they get face-to-face with a customer. Now, I've been in the sales and marketing business for a very long time, three decades. And I will tell you, it is one of those easy-to-use tools that changes the game. It's going to change the way your people work. It makes everything that they need in a sales call available to them at the touch of a fingertip. Price lists, brochures, PDFs, even slide decks and web pages videos, all of these things, and they're consistent. Every salesperson has up-to-date material, everything that they need, and it's all interleaved into a software package that is available on a tablet. If your people are using tablets and you want to make them better at what they do in front of a customer, check out 4dsales.com, and they make this segment, the X's and O segment, a possibility. Miles, today we're going to talk Quote Roller. Tell me a little bit about Quote Roller. Thanks, Kelly. You bet. Quote Roller is one of those tools that I found when I, once I dug into it a little bit and I started to understand what its real power and its capabilities were, I have never left it. And, and I mean, I literally, in my business, and I have sent this out, I've written about it, I've got uh, many dozen of my clients that are using this, and it really turns into a very practical tool that saves not only time, but is given them new business opportunities because it's a quality piece that leverages our experience, our expertise, and best practices in whatever business we're in. Well, we're going to talk about what Quote Roller does, but I've got to turn people to your website, fillthefunnel.com, and just go on the search uh, 
blank that is there on the homepage and type in quote roller and you'll you'll find Miles uh, and you not only talk about the tool, you talk about how to do proposals. So it's a great primer in that regard. But quote roller, you and I were talking uh, before the show started today. We both use quotations in our business. And, and there, there's a lot of time and effort that gets unwound in these things. And just to have the ability to be consistent and automated and automate some of the processes of this thing, it, it's going to pay for itself very quickly just in the time that you save. Definitely so. And I think, Kelly, you know, one of the things is I found anyway over the years that if I get a a proposal format, if you will, a template that's really working well, I tend, because I'm I'm looking for ways to save some time, I'll tend to use it over and over again. And so that's a good premise. But I also went to school to learn that the reality is every customer opportunity is unique. And what I really like about Quote Roller, it can take that templatized experience that you have or take it from quote roller who also provides you tons of industry best practice templates as a guideline at least to start if not to just use them in their entirety but it also allows me very easily to customize each quote or each proposal to fit the unique needs of that customer so I'm not giving them a a vanilla proposal that might you know, give them an answer fairly close to what we were looking for, I can customize it and it feels to the customer like it was designed custom just for them. Obviously, that increases the reception on the part of that customer. You bet. Talking X's nose with Miles Austin. Follow him on Twitter at Miles Austin and make sure you jump on his website. It is a good one. Fillthefunnel.com. Way more information about sales tools than you're ever, ever going to be able to use. But, I mean, you can sift through the good ones quickly. Miles does all the heavy lifting in that regard. I, I like what you said about that because you're exactly right. It's it, Actually, what creates the problem with quotes is not doing them but actually customizing them. And you're you're saying that quote roller as a tool makes that process a lot easier and and they've just got so many different pieces and parts available miles that that I would probably spend a lot of time trying to track down on the internet or find some reference material for Absolutely. And it's very drag and drop. Like a lot of the tools that I share, it's something that an individual salesperson can use. What's really nice, at least in my applications with our clients, is this is an excellent way for maybe one of your seasoned reps or maybe that leader that you and Anthony were just talking about to take his or her best practices, what they know is most valuable to that prospect or customer, and they can templatize that and then be able to move it in and out again based on literally some drag and drop. But I know one of the things that intrigued me early on with Quote Roller, their own research, and they've got like 25,000 customers or something using this. Um, it's a very, very successful tool. But one of the things they've learned is this tool will save you at least two hours of a person's time. In my own experience, in my own practice, it saves me four to five hours minimum. But even in a more automated business where you're kind of churning out a a proposal or a quote on a regular basis several times a day, uh, they found two hours per proposal just in time savings. And what's that worth to you as an employer or you in a sales role? Well, just doing the basic math, the return on investment is pretty easy. If it does save two hours, and I have absolutely no reason not to believe that based on personal experience, you could be talking about anywhere from 50 to $200 in savings right away. And the cost of quote roller is, is almost insignificant in comparison. $15 a user is, 
is just not even worth talking about. And to, to make it all that easy, Miles, is, is really kind of a no-brainer. It, it is. And let me tell you something. I, I, as a salesperson or as a sales leader, the, the most pressing question, when I hit send or I put that proposal in the mail, whatever my delivery vehicle is, the first question that's going to come out of my mouth if I'm a sales leader managing the sales team or if I'm the salesperson wondering, the very first question is going to be what? I wonder if they've opened my proposal, yes. right? And yep. then you start digging in. You can say, well, you know, how, how much time have they spent? Uh, have they been to my pricing page yet? How much time did they spend there? Have they seen our portfolio? Did they look yet at our testimonial section? What's really cool, and it adds, it's why this is way more than just a template in Microsoft Word or Pages, is that they have, because it's online and generated that way, you have the ability to track every activity, every opening, every view from the customer that you just sent this proposal to. So all of those questions are answered and you get a dashboard that can not only look at that one proposal, but it'll take all of the proposals that you sent out from within Quote Roller. It's going to show them all. It'll told you your, tell you your total dollar value. Um, what status has it been accepted? Has it been reviewed? Where are they spending the time? Which pages? And again, from a management perspective, that tells me where people are digging in. It also tells me that they might be blowing past my testimonials or something, and that's really important to know. Oh, very good. Well, I got you. I thought I'd dropped you off there. I'm, I am actually online at quoteroller.com, and I'm looking at that, that page that describes what you're talking about. The end proposal analytics are absolutely incredible. There's really not anything you can't know about where they spend their time, what they're looking at. And, and, you know, we back in the old days when we didn't have all these tools, that's certainly we didn't have a clue. We only went by what they told us, which typically uh, was slanted in, in a big way. Now, if, if you still need to deliver hard copy proposals, does it allow you to print them out? Absolutely. I mean, what's nice about it, you can deliver it any way you want. You can hand deliver it by printing it out. You can email it to them as a PDF. You can deliver it electronically. All of those options are there. Uh, you can print it off and just send it in the mail if you choose to. Wow, that's fantastic. And, and we talked about the pricing, essentially $15 per user. And, and it's got so many things that, that you can integrate into this. And the whole drag and drop idea is, is fantastic. But from a leadership perspective, and you mentioned this, it actually has some very nice dashboards as well. So you can track all the proposals within your organization and with just a few clicks of a mouse, actually know what's going on with an individual and, and their individual proposals as well. Absolutely. And that's what's nice. I have individual entrepreneurs that use this for their own practice. And we have sales organizations and businesses that might have five or 10 uh, different salespeople with different levels of quotation going on, even different geographies. And as a management team, as a leadership team, you can look and see high level what the overall scope of your activity is and drill down to individual deals. But think about this. One of the beautiful parts of this ability, now that we're bringing these things online, once you say, okay, have they opened it? I wonder how we're doing. Where are they at in the process? Who's seen it, et cetera? Then the next step is, okay, now I got to get it signed. They've said, yes, we like it. We want to go forward. Now I got to get it signed, right? Yes. One of the neat capabilities of Quote Roller, using that tool, it allows that customer to sign this document electronically. And so it's something similar to DocuSign or something like that, where it has electronic validity and it's, it's seen legally as a binding proposal at that point. 
Absolutely, but now get this, it even goes further because now whether you use something like QuickBooks or FreshBooks, um, other online um, accounting tools, they can actually pay it online by a couple clicks of the mouse. And by the way, because of the amazing integration these guys provide, all of this data is also being able very quickly with a couple clicks of a mouse to integrate into your CRM tools and the other tracking tools, some of which we've talked about in past shows. Kelly, It's just an amazing tool that fits right into the middle of a very active sales and quote and proposal process. It's a wonderful tool. Well, there you go, folks. Again, another great uh, product that you need to add to your arsenal, whether you're a salesperson or a small business owner, uh, even a large business owner. Quote Roller is going to pay for itself almost instantaneously. It's going to make a lot of your job a lot easier. You're going to even have the ability to track payments against the quotes much, much quicker and integrate them into your system. So regardless of where you are in your business, this is a fantastic tool. Miles, appreciate it so much. Uh, Thanks for bringing Quote Roller to us. Glad to do it, Kelly. Great show. I enjoyed Anthony and listening to you both uh, as well on how to hire. I appreciate that very much. Hey, next week, folks, is going to be a fantastic show as well. I want to remind you to stick around for that. Next week, David Newman of Do It Marketing, a guy whose uh, enthusiasm level is uh, somewhere north of amazing. This this uh, this will be a fantastic show, and it'll be oriented around the marketing side of things. So we want to have you put that on your schedule. Then in two weeks, I'll be joined by Jill Conrath, and we'll talk about her brand-new sales book, Agile Selling. So should be good stuff. Next week, by the way, I will be bringing you the show from Chicago, Illinois, and I'll be with my good friend Robert Turson. He'll join me on the show as well, and he owns a company and has written a book called Selling Fearlessly, and you can find his material at sellingfearlessly.com. So we hope to see you again next week. Thanks for everybody who joined us today. Anthony Inarino, you can find him at uh, thesalesblog.com. Fantastic conversation. You'll want to listen again. And, of course, Miles Austin, as always. Thanks to 40 Sales for bringing us the X's and O's segment. That's going to do it for this week's show. And, again, next week, another great show oriented around marketing. Tune in each and every week, Monday at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 o'clock on the Pacific side of things. Special thanks to Michael Surgit, my engineer, and to Brandy Jackson. She's our executive producer. Thanks for joining us. I'm Kelly Riggs. I will see you next week in the Business Locker Room. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business-building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of The Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. We'll be right back.